Hi, I'm Chrissy. And I'm Carrie. And we are Status, Status Macabre. Macabre. So I got to say something. Um, we may want to consider changing that up a little bit. Oh, yeah, because you, you, you get Charles is, Charles is pimping out our um, our podcast, right? And yeah. he's like, every time I walk into whatever the building is, all he hears is, I'm Carrie, I'm Chrissy, and we are Status Macabre. <laughs> I'm like, oh, poor buddy. He's well, like, are they listening to it? Apparently. Oh, well, there you go. I yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah, apparently. So, um, keep way keep to going go. on. Way to go, Charlie. Don't don't call him Charlie. Ooh, it's Char- say, it's Charles. Yeah, that's <laughs> not good. So it's a very hot Saturday night. It is hot as balls. Oh, it's the McGregor fight tonight. UFC. Woo okay. woo trilogy. That yeah, has yeah, got yeah, nothing yeah. to do why it's hot. No, but it's, it's it's hot in another way because of that. But yeah, okay, dude, sure. I went outside for like five minutes. I was sweating. I was pouring sweat. Pouring, it, pouring, pouring sweat. It is. It's um. It's quite muggy. It's, and it's quite warm. Well, we were on the lake yesterday, and it was. Oh, that's the right. The water was like bath water. Even out there oh. in the deep areas, there's areas when it's super deep that is yep. still really hot. You would think would be cold. Yeah. So we live. Both of us live probably about like five. I don't know. Ten miles from where? Lake Murray. Like, oh no, Lake Murray's right here. Yeah, so it's well, I, yeah, I know, but I'm saying like to the boat ramp and the oh, whatever to the to the where the boat is from my house. It's probably it's probably dead center. I'd say it's six miles from the yeah. house, so it's not far. So anyway, we go to the lake a lot, and um, Carrie sold her boat to a mutual friend. So um, brownie face. We went out on the lake yesterday with my daughter and her friend, and this lake, guys, is ginormous it's huge it's too it's overpopulated i think right now yeah it's crazy but um it's called lake murray but one of my favorite spots but it is there's probably water that's like 110 15 20 feet deep in some places i thought i saw it like closer to like 140 yeah it's it's crazy deep but even in those like places it's freaking warm as hell i'm sure the water like underneath like that goes into the you know the water the Mm -hmm. towers is probably cold i have a couple of friends that dive um at the lake yeah at the lake but yeah he said you can't see jack like i mean i further than like 20 feet and like it's ridiculous yeah so and 20 feet i think is uh really great it's you can't see well i don't know i'm guessing but yeah, he just said it was it was like know super murky. How far away twenty feet is? It's a lot. Yeah, okay. just wanted to make sure you knew. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, so I I'm really excited about today's episode. I um I am too. It is going to be awesome. <sighs> I didn't even read. I this. know it's okay. You had a rough night. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So. It so was it was uh, very interesting and fun to a point, and then it got weird. It, <laughs> only you, Carrie. What is what? I got nothing. I like who do I? If, if why do I attract? I, like the guy from Tipsy. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Oh my god. Yeah, guys. You know what? If anyone has <laughs> someone who's somewhat not crazy, you know, shoot us an email. Like Carrie's, <laughs> Carrie's. You know, open and single and does. 
You know, she's got a lot of... She attracts the most strangest people I've I've ever met in my life. And I, I, hands down, hands down, I have not ever seen such weirdness with anyone else in my entire life. And that's uh, a fact. So I don't think that's a compliment. Um, no, I, I mean, think, I think what it's she's saying entertaining. is a show. <laughs> it is always, always, always entertaining. But it is. Yeah, because yeah. I have some of the best damn stories, don't I? Oh, my God. They're fabulous. Like the one this morning was pretty fucking awesome. That was pretty crazy. I, I, and I, guys. <laughs> Yeah, we were going to record this morning, but... All right, you can, so you can talk about that. I was going to say, I, you know, I got to drop my daughter off. At, and I'm like, hey, get here early because... She's telling me to get here gotta early. Because I got to do shit with my kid. She's like, yeah, um, if uh, you could get here around nine-ish, I had to drop my daughter off. She's auditioning for a uh, musical at the local theater. And so I had to have her there by nine. I go to Carrie's, which is literally down the street from where I dropped my daughter off. And I'm messaging her. I don't get any response. No response. I'm like, son of a... I, I, if she's not home, I'm going to kill her. So I pull up in the driveway. I peep in the garage. I'm like, her car is here. Okay, good. I go. I ring the doorbell because I don't want to be shot if I walk in yet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ringing the doorbell. I'm ringing the doorbell. This is like Key West morning all over. So <laughs> ringing the doorbell. Nobody comes. I'm like... Screw it. I'm just going to go in. I punch in the code. I go in. I don't know if there's someone in her room. I don't know what's going on. So I'm like standing at the door and I'm like, Carrie, yeah, 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 back here. And she sounds like she's awake and I should have known I'm great. Better. I'm great at that, by the way. No shit. <laughs> so she's in the hallway. Fine. She comes finally to the door, like her bedroom door. Look, has her hands up on the door, like stabling herself. <laughs> And she's like, what's up? I'm like, dude. She's like, what are you doing here? What the f- uh, You guys, I just went to bed. Like, it, was, it wasn't planned. I promise you, things happen, right? Clearly. You know, things happen. No shit. And we don't ask questions. We I'm just like, roll with it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let you sleep for a little bit. I go in the living room. I'm like chilling out. I'm on my MacBook. I'm trying to look for, you know, houses and shit. I got, you know, my cat, because she's babysitting my cat. I, it comes and sits in my lap, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, we're good. Got animals. Yep, I'm good. I'm drinking my coffee. Then I'm, like, checking my watch. I'm like, 45 minutes later, I go in a room. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to come back tonight. Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. Are you sure you're going to be home? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm all good. You positive you're going to be home. Yep. No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh-huh. Okay. So two hours later, she calls. It's like 1230 or one. She's or like, right? yeah, um, sorry about this morning. Um, I don't remember what happened. <laughs> so I just went to bed just before you got there. Yeah. Uh, I don't do that all the time. And, you know. I don't do that. She doesn't. Normally, oh, she's always up before me. I'm a, but I just, she's an early riser. Scenario and circumstances. I just, you know, I just, I'm, I just followed the path and that's where it led me. Yeah. Okay. So this is why we're recording on a Saturday night. <laughs> you guys, we have the best stories. And so I don't, you know, like the things that happen, like Chrissy's usually the first person that, I, of course, now everyone else. Um, Chrissy, I'm like, oh my God, Chrissy, guess what the fuck happened? And I never do. I never, never, it. never. And it gets better and better each it time. It does. I know. So anyway, bottom line is, if anybody has like a, a decent looking man that's, you know, I don't, you know what, at this point I don't care how old he is. Just, you know, and he's not crazy. 
you know, let us know. Um, Mr. Jingles. Yeah, and if you hear some rummaging around, it's 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 my cat. He's playing with some boxes. So. Oh, all right. all right. Let's get this. Let's get into it. Let's so get into this. Today's episode is about. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, it's I, I wanted to do that. It was it's that was ju- good. That was I good. Think I, I think I'm going to get you to do that for me next time too. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Can you put your charge after that? Oh my god, that's so stupid. Anyway, okay, dun dun dun. Yeah, so um, it's about Jane Topan. Topan. Yeah. So Jane Topan mm-hmm. is also known as uh, Jolly Jolly Jane Topan. <laughs> and that I'll like- explain that a little <laughs> bit later. I'll explain that why a little okay. bit later. But anyway. So um, she is actually known as the first American um, woman serial killer. I like it, and she's she's not very well known. Like she doesn't get all never the never heard pres- of her, right? She doesn't get all the prestige, and you know, people aren't analyzing her like they do men. Why? I, I don't why. know. I was about to say, but this this woman was made. It, she was not born this way. Oh, really? No. And so we've done a lot of. You know, like our armchair chair psycho- psychology about Pee Wee Gaskins. We're like, totally was he made? Yeah, you know, and and are people born evil versus made? And I yeah. totally think she was made. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. So Jane Topin um, was not her God-given name. In fact, her real name was Anora Kelly. Anora. Anora. Which is a really pretty name. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty. But um, and for this podcast, so we're going. We're going to call her Jane, just for the ease of remembering. Um, but I'll explain in a little bit why her name was changed from Enora to Jane. So Jane was the daughter of Peter and Bridget Kelly. She was born on March thirty first, uh, eighteen fifty four, in Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yeah. man. I know. I know. It's it's getting as bad as Florida. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Two totally different states. Don't be knocking my home state. Don't compare it to Massachusetts. Oh, Florida's got some people. And I love, I've loved Florida. I got to go there tomorrow, but I'm just saying it's... She's a, she's quite a handsome filly, isn't she? And she handsome filly. <laughs> we'll talk about That's that what they in said a minute. there, right, at the time? Yeah, we, we will talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Jane had uh, two... Older sisters. I'm sorry. My cat is stuck between two slats and a blind. Come on, Mickey. Um, I, yeah, thank you. All right. Anyway, she had two older sisters named Delia and Nellie. Her mother, Bridget, died of what was called thin consumption, mm-hmm. but it's more commonly known now as tuberculosis. She died when Jane was really small, and, and Jane did have some memories of her when she was little, but, you know, she was so small yeah. she didn't know. Small meaning, really, I guess, a toddler or a um, baby? She was about four okay, yeah. when her mother died, so she didn't remember a whole lot, but she did remember her mother. Her father was a tailor and a raging alcoholic mm. and was reportedly abusive, because the family was Irish, uh, Peter had a very difficult time finding work. That's the father? Yep. And a lot of places that were actually looking for help refused to allow him to apply because he was Irish. Oh. Yeah. So just a little history for you about the Irish here, because this plays a lot into how and why I think Jane turned out the way she did. So it's around 1845, and Ireland is losing its wealth. 
their fortunes began to sag along with withering leaves of, you know, the country's potato plants. Right. The potatoes began bleeding this putrid red-brown mucus, which spread throughout Ireland and destroyed the crops, and people started starving. Literally, yeah. They um, were also under British laws, which deprived Ireland's people of the right to worship Catholicism, of the right to vote, speak their own language, own their own land, horses, and guns. I know, so it's... Like, what it's the? I know, it's gone downhill. So now with it's famine... downhill from yeah, there. Yeah, right? <laughs> so now famine is raging people decided they were done with ireland and it shit and more than a quarter of the irish nation migrated to america yeah thousands of irish immigrants loaded themselves onto ships that had been used to transport slaves from africa for the three thousand mile journey so think about these ships that are already probably in kind of bad shape so I think about the, you know, the the levels of anxiety I have on a daily basis just because of life for me, which is nowhere near. But if I yep. had to get on a ship and sail 3,000 miles and mm-hmm. on hopes and dreams that I might make it to America land, right? Yep. Somewhere. Yep. I don't know. I might start digging up grubs. I know. And as you can imagine, there was just filth and disease. I mean, oh, yeah. rampant death. <clears throat> what What is the percentage? Um, and I can't remember, and I don't know that you know this, right? But there are some percentage, and I think it's pretty high, of fatalities oh, yes, on these ships, wherever they're coming from and going to. It was it was a very small amount of people um, given. And I remember reading it, and I should have put it in here, but it's a small amount given um, the amount of people that were on these ships. Yeah. So, um, adults had about 18 inches of bed space and children had even less. So can you imagine 18 inches? Like my waist isn't even 18 inches. I mean, I'd imagine if you tried to roll over, your shoulders would get stuck, right? Shit, no. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're packed in like sardines. So they choked on the just nasty air and there was just death all around. Those that survive and actually made it to America were greeted by angry Americans who ultimately despised them. Right. During the Victorian era, especially in well-to-do Boston, like in the, you know, really like Newberry Street, like the really nice mm-hmm. areas of Boston, the Irish were used as servants. Much like the sh- slaves, yeah. slave, say that like really fast, slave. slaves shipped <laughs> from Africa. Um, they were beaten, not allowed to work for wages, uh, looked down upon. And believe it or not, a lot of the reason why, you know, wasn't just because they were thought to be dirty and disease-ridden. It was really because they were Catholic. Oh, wow. I mean, that was, I mean, isn't it weird, you know, a hatred always stems from religion. Yeah, where, definitely a lot. In, in my head, you know, religion's based on, you know, love for a higher being and love for each other. And yet... Right. Causes nothing but hatred. It's just, anyway, discussion for another day. <laughs> um, so regardless of, you know, whether some people hated the Irish because they believed them to be dirty or because they practiced Catholicism, there were some that offered charitable assistance. So you had some well, that's generous. Good, yeah, so they had you had some good doers out there, I guess you could say. One example being the Boston Female Asylum. In 1862, two years after Jane's mother died, her father, Peter, dropped Delia and Jane off at the asylum. 
whether it was because he was an alcoholic or just couldn't find work and couldn't afford to keep them, Peter felt that the girls would have more opportunities in life at the Boston Female Asylum. Although records indicate that the girls were rescued from a miserable home, so it could, you know, it could have been that okay. they were taken from the home rather than the father, you know, dropping right. them off deliberately. But either way, you know, they never saw their father again. Mm. So he dropped them off, was like, peace out, I gotta go. But there were rumors that Peter sewed his eyes shut after he dropped off the girls, which I find weird because I think he was insane. I mean, because there were other rumors that he went to a a, a insane. We know he was an alcoholic, and so we think that he's just a a tad bit crazy. I mean, because I don't know on the scale where you got to be to sew your eyes shut. I'm assuming it's a little more than a tad bit crazy. Well, I mean, how do you see to show the sew the other eye shut if you've already sewed one shut? He's crazy. He's just jabbing it in there and sewing them. Anyway, and maybe he felt like that was his penance. I don't know. The jury's really out on whether <laughs> on whether he really did so as oh. eyes shut. But that was the rumor was that he he you know so does so eyes shut. shut. Yeah, it's really it's it's kind of sad. But at the time, Delia was eight and Jane was six, so they were old enough to completely remember what their father did. Yes, yes. And so Natalie, I guess is that if that's how you. Nellie, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Nellie. Nellie was the oldest daughter. And she um, was not dropped off. I was going to say. Yeah, she was not dropped off um, at the um, asylum. She was um, actually checked into an insane asylum herself. So it could be that, you know, Apple just didn't fall far from the tree. But at the time he dropped them off, the two younger ones, Delia was eight and Jane was six. And the asylum was really, it's not an asylum like I just talked about, an insane insane asylum. It was an orphanage. And it was, you know, it offered the girls the opportunity to be placed with another family, you know, one that they would serve as in, you know, housekeeping um, the girls were trained by an all-female female staff on how to cook, clean, make beds, and basically how to take care of, you know, the household. Right. They'd be placed around the age of 11 and 12 where they tended to the household, maybe go to school, and at the age of uh, 18, they were given $15 and release. 15 or 50? I'm sorry, 50 I said 15, didn't I? I would and imagine it, back in those days, that was a decent... It was absolutely. It was, a, it was a large sum of money. And it was probably more money than those girls had ever seen. Yeah. So um, then they could act, you know, decide whether or not they wanted to stay with that family or pursue other endeavors. Right. Now, a lot of the information I'm going to share was obtained by Mary K. McBrayer's book titled America's First Female Serial Killer... Jane Topin in The Making of a Monster. The book was absolutely awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was so good. I couldn't put it down. And I checked it out from the library, but it's also available on Amazon Kindle because I checked. And so I'll post the link in our show notes for anybody who's interested. Now, there's a little, there's a little known um, about uh, Jane's sisters. But reportedly, like I said, Nellie, the oldest, was not committed to the orphanage. But she was committed to an actual insane asylum, um, same as her father. Delia was sent to the streets when she was of age to earn money as a prostitute. And I have zero clues because, I, like, what of 
you know, age means at that time. But my guess would be about, you know, like 16, okay. 17, um, maybe 18. I don't know. But um, it, it sounded like in the orphanage, like once you got sent off somewhere, you don't screw up. Because if you get sent back, you're basically beaten. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I. but again, I. it's not factual. Of course, they're not going to put that in, you know any records right so um and there's a lot i've said this before on the podcast when i do older like mm -hmm. it's very hard because there's a lot of conflicting information and there's actually yes. not any digitized records nope that's clearly. exactly so it's very difficult mm -hmm. to know if what you're saying is i mean it's truthful because of what you saw but who fucking knows is bad oh god it's yeah true. no agreed um but there's there's no known communication between Jane and her other sisters that I could find. So I think once, you know, after Jane left the orphanage, they didn't speak ever again. Jane probably had the best chance for life, though. Um, as we know, Delia was a prostitute. So, you know, after being in the orphanage for two years, Jane was placed in an indentured, as an indentured servant with a widow and her daughter. The widow's name was Anne C. Topin of Lowell, Massachusetts. When she came to the orphanage, she requested a younger girl who didn't know how to be jealous and did not think, you know, she would be a peer to her daughter. Um, and her daughter's name was Elizabeth. Initially, the orphanage refused as they didn't like placing girls that young because they didn't, they didn't really know how to keep a household. Right. But... Upon Anne's insistence, Jane was placed with her. Now, remember, Jane's real name was Honora at that That's right. time. Yeah. And when Anne was told she was Irish, she immediately changed her name to a good old American name, which was Jane. Jolly Jane? I'll get to Jolly Park. Okay. Which Honora did not like the name originally, you know, Jane. She liked her name. And, you know, cool. she was she was Irish. She was proud of who she was. And didn't understand that being Irish was not a plus for her. It was not something that she was like, woohoo, I'm Irish. You know, not at all. <laughs> so at the time, you know, she didn't get that. Although Jane was never formally adopted by Anne, she was given the surname Topin um, in an effort to disguise her Irish heritage because her foster mother, if you want to call her that, Anne, was completely embarrassed right, that, that she, she was, was Irish. Irish. And originally, when they introduced Jane to Anne, because she was the youngest girl, but she would, she did all her chores. She was very much a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. um, wanted to do a good job. Wanted everybody to tell her she did a great job and that she was doing well. She, she was like, this girl's Irish? Uh, no. Right. Uh-uh. But then it was kind of pushed upon her, and then Anne was like, no, okay, I'm going to take her, I'm going to take her, I'm going to take her. Even then, even when they were like, okay, wait, she's only like six. Oh, wow, okay. So, or eight at the time, I apologize. But um, anyway, so upon meeting Anne, um, Anne told Jane that she could call, she could be called Auntie. So throughout Jane's entire life, she called Anne Auntie. Or auntie, whichever, you know, region you're from in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, now, not much is known about Jane, I mean, excuse me, Anne Topin herself, other than she was Canadian. She was actually born in Nova Scotia. Um, and she reportedly had a total of three children and lived in a very large gray house in Lowell, Massachusetts. Jane was given the attic room, which was hot as hell in the summer and cold as hell in the winter. And as a child, Jane was reportedly very bright, imaginative, and very much, as I said, a people pleaser. Her stories were always a huge hit at the orphanage with the staff and the other children. And all, I mean, the staff loved her. Yeah. They thought she was such a great child. She shared her storytelling talent with Elizabeth, which was her foster sister, who was mesmerized by her stories of her sister marrying a gingerbread man who had a candy who had candy children and l- was living in Paris. Oh, that's very um uh Victorian. Yeah. In my head. Yeah. 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 But Miss Topin on the other hand was not impressed and forbade her to tell any of the children um any stories and said that they were all lies. And uh, Miss Topin was very firm with Jane and never she never was very affectionate, loving. She is very business like yeah very functional that's what i say about people like that functional yeah and they were there were reportedly incidents where Anne beat jane for various reasons and elizabeth would beg her mother to stop just because she didn't she didn't want to see it and elizabeth was young as well yeah and so um it was just a really unhappy household Based off of everything that I've read, it was and, and functional, as you said. It was there was no love. Elizabeth, though, was very loving towards Jane and wanted to wanted them to be sisters. She called Jane her best and closest friend and told her everything. Jane didn't actually reciprocate the feeling and thought Elizabeth was spoiled and silly, even though Elizabeth was really probably the only one that genuinely cared for Jane. Her despise and, uh, and well, it was really just maybe some jealousy towards right. the Topins and their carefree lives um, was seen uh, before she began her murderous career. Um, she actually had baked wisteria into a birthday cake. That is poisonous. She had made for Elizabeth's 32nd birthday celebration. Everyone was really impressed and raved how delicious it was only to fall sicker than hell like a few hours later. She swore to Auntie that she didn't know that wisteria was poisonous and only used it because it was her sister's, you know, Elizabeth, um, favorite flower. Auntie's only comment as she was beating the shit out of Jane was, she's not your sister. So Miss Topin was completely against her being anywhere close to... Elizabeth thinking that she was Elizabeth's equal. Right. So that kind of tells you just how functional, you know, this relationship was. So when Jane turned 18, she was given $50 by auntie and asked if she would stay on with the family, even though Elizabeth was grown and out of the house. Oh, no, I'm out, bitch. Well, in fact, just as a side note, Elizabeth is married to a Dinkit, Deacon, Deacon, Dinkin? I said Dinkin. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know what a Dinkin is, but um, a Deacon. Deacon. Yes. Of the See how Luth- I came in and helped you I out know, there. I appreciate that. 
of the Lutheran Church, and his name is Oramel Brigham, which we're going to talk about him a little bit later. And it gets really interesting. And if you guys hear meowing, it's because my cat She's is a dick. She's about to kill the cat, you guys. <laughs> He's standing at the door. Pu- puppy's a dick, too. But meow, meow, meow. So we go and we open the door, and, and he- then he... Turns around and walks away. And walks away. And, and so I'm ignoring him. So Screw we shut it. the door. He comes back and he's meowing. No, he can. But it's a cute meow. It's a meow. No, we're done. <laughs> Mickey's a jerk. I mean, I'll play this game all night long. <laughs> I know. I know. See? No. Uh-uh. It's like a kid. No. All right. Anyway. So Jane actually accepted Anne's offer to stay on. Oh, and continued to work for Anne as it was the best thing that she had going for her at the time. And where else is she going to go? So so at this time, though, and I don't know if you can tell me yet, but I'm assuming because she's an adult, mm-hmm. she's not getting beat anymore, right? Well, so when she was 18, she made that cake with wisteria in it. Mm-hmm. And she well, That was the last she time got she beat. got beat. That I know of. And that okay. was discussed. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah, at 18, she received her last beating. <laughs> anyway, so she accepts the offer, um, and it was rare that the that any of the indentured servants or those girls from the orphanage ever married. Right. So, um, Jane, though, really wanted a family of her own and to not be seen as the indentured servant that she was. So, during a visit to the textile shop to place an order for Anne for new window dressings. Jane runs into a guy named Tom Higgins. And this is where it gets juicy. So Tom is helping out the owner's wife, Katie, who is pregnant. Now, Katie was not feeling good that day, so Tom helped in in the office. We'll we'll call it the office, right? Mm -hmm. Tom is immediately enamored with Jane upon meeting her. He's just really? like, yeah, but she didn't always look like that, that you're looking at now. She was, again, we'll talk about it. Just simmer down. Mm. Nah. And, um, so he just wants to hear her talk about anything. And he, oh, that's he says, sweet. just speak to me. Just talk to me. Yeah. Just talk to me. He finds her extremely intriguing and is, um, extremely forward about his opinions of her. Tom too, he happens to be Irish and he puts down the topins and makes her feel like really comfortable. Like, okay, right. I can talk to this guy like on our up. level. I can open up some. <clears throat> so after placing her order with Tom, who tells her it will be ready that same evening, she allows herself to think, you know, about him fondly. Okay. I'm just going to say it. You guys don't fuck around with married people. Just please don't. He's not married. He. No, it says Tom's helping out. Oh, the owner's wife. Come on, work with me, sister. Oh, I... Chop, chop. I take back my previous... No, I don't. Don't fuck around with married people. Well, that's fair. (laughs) But he's not married. Okay, yeah. He he is... He's he's, helping... Okay, I'm with you now. He's an Irish... Single gentleman. Single dude. All right. So, anyway. So, before heading back to pick up um, the order she placed earlier in the day... She changes into, you know, the only nice dress that she has, which, quick little, you know, FYI, is actually made from the window dressings this season before. Oh, that's, I'm totally thinking about Gone with the Wind. I know. Like, I that know. That was a great dress. I know. The green velvet one. Yes. I know. It's my favorite movie in the entire world. But anyway. So. Same, same. Oh, God. I can, well, I don't know. Tombstone. Pretty close second. Oh, um, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So. Quit squirreling me. God. <laughs> so. 
So she's got on this dress that she says hugs her body and that she's, again, stop looking at the picture in the, on the, guys, guys don't look her face. up right yet. Yeah, just don't look up, don't look up Jane As you tell yet. people not to, they're like, oh, Carrie's right. We don't know what the hell's going what on with this chick. Fuck? Anyway, so Tom, of course, is waiting for her, and they begin talking on a more personal level. Him asking about her parents, how she's treated at the Topins, which she kind of talks a little bit more mm-hmm. about that. And she shared her real name, so he now knows her name is Honora. She then asks to use the bathroom, and Tom goes to check on her order, so they both kind of split up. Now, mind you, these are Victorian times, So after the Civil War, and it's really not proper for women to be alone with a man unsupervised, especially after dark for an extended amount of time. So she's kind of got that going through her head a little bit. But nevertheless... Yeah, she's just, you know, she's probably just tipping her toe into... She's got the feelings of butterflies in her stomach. Oh, absolutely. She's intrigued. I'm assuming he's probably a handsome man. Well, she thinks he's handsome. That's the best part of it. Like, I mean, if they could always just be at the beginning, that would be great. I know. If every relationship could just stay at the beginning. It's kind of like cats. Like, I love a kitten. But I want a new kitten when it gets older. I want a I know. Kitten. I feel the <laughs> same way about my dogs and children. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right, no, I don't feel any sort of way about children. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I can. Okay, so, yeah, I'm not a kid person. But I'm with you on the relationship. I love you, Ryan. But yes, yeah, right. all all good. Yes, it's present, very yeah, good. Present, present husband or current husband not included in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always so great. Anyway. Speaking from my perspective. But anyway. So, um, she's, she's all a little jittery. Yes. So, um, nevertheless, you know, whether it was that Jane didn't care about the Victorian rules or like you said, she's got like a little bit like butterflies or whatever. And maybe it was a little bit of a a thought of, you know, I want to hitch a husband, you know, she stayed and flirted with Tom. Which eventually landed them both in the bathroom. Oh! With her bent over and him between her legs. So I'm assuming that was probably her... First. Yeah. She starts bleeding. Um, and, you know, she's bleeding all over the place because she is a virgin. And Tom is, you know, apologizing for his behavior because he didn't know that she wasn't a virgin. And she was a little bit of, you know upset miffed by like what the hell would make you think that i wasn't a virgin you think i'd bend over the sink for just anybody i mean she did i know i so i know well it kind of tells you a little bit about tom though right he's you know yeah he's a jolly old irish he's walking home and his dick's in the bar still somewhere exactly exactly but you know and he says he's gonna take her home And he walks her through the neighbor's yard so that the, you know, her auntie doesn't see his carriage. And then he promises her a ring and a proposal. So we, 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 yeah, we hit it off real good in the bathroom. And uh, I'm going to take you home. And I guess it's the proper thing. Bloody and heartbroken. (laughs) We're not there yet, but bloody for show. Oh. So months go by. Months. Yeah, months go by. And Jane doesn't hear squat from Tom. Yeah. Which, I mean, come on. How is that unlike any, not like recent times? I mean, that's. I mean, I'm a virgin. I don't know how that happens. Oh, dear God. 
the lightning is going to strike us right the fuck now. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, Jane is trying to keep her mind wandering, you know, so she's not like totally focusing on Tom. But she also went on an eating binge. Hence, now you may look up Jane Dobin on the internet. I mean, for the rest of her fucking life? <laughs> she, yeah. She, I mean, I understand. She got hungry. I understand okay, having I, a period. I mean, I can, I can, I'm okay. Well, I have COVID weight. I'm, I'm sane, but not for fucking ever. <laughs> like, look at the, look at the cheeks right there. She had a propensity to get. There it is. A little, a little large. I got nothing. But I mean, she, you know, she's a stress eater. Leave her alone. Leave the woman alone. Anyway, and then there's Mickey. See? He's Fuck you, Mickey. So whatever so whatever the Topin family couldn't eat, she did. <laughs> I should have swallowed my beer before you said that because it almost came out of my nose. So she had to alter her dresses to be able to fit in, and she had like really dark circles and bags under her eyes. I mean, they didn't paint her picture at that time stop looking at her no but that looks like an actual picture picture yeah oh yeah yeah but anyway so she was she was upset the next february while at the textile shop she was hoping to see tom you know because it's season change she's got to get new window dressing Mm -hmm. so she's like "Ah." well katie had come back after having had her baby and she asked jane if she had you know, perhaps befriended Tom. And now when you say that, does that mean just friends or does it mean some weird code for having sex? Well, I mean, we're in Victorian era, right? So she probably means... So she was probably like, you know, did you talk to Tom? Were you speaking about Tom? Because apparently Tom was going on and on and on about a woman that he had met in the textile shop while he was working in the office. And I see where this is going right and now. And so, yeah, so it, Katie's like, okay, it must be you. It right. must be you. Because <laughs> she was Irish. And then, you know, Jane's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I Yes, I did meet him. And so Katie says, okay, well, you know, would you like me to have him call on you? She's like, oh, I, mm, you know, auntie and blah, blah, blah. And so, so she's like, okay, would you like for him to call on you in secret? And so she's like, well, hell yeah, come on, tell him to come on. Well, several nights later, Jane hears a rap on her window. So I don't know. Fucking rap. Come on. Well, you know, rap, rap, rap. Rapping at my bedroom door. No. Yeah. He had a stocking cap on and (laughs) the new crestfallen snow. (laughs) Kidding. All right. Well, he's beating on her damn door. How about that? Does that sound better? Anyway. That sounds more like it. Okay. Well, she, like, hauls ass outside. It's cold. It's, you know, freezing, whatever. And he opens his jacket, and he presents her with a ring. And he says, I'll be back the next day to discuss the terms of your indenture, you know, with Anne. And then he calls her Honora. And then... He leaves, and she never sees him again. I mean, just why come back? I, I mean, how many people listening to this actually thought that was going to happen? I, did, I not, did. I did not see that coming. Oh, man. I didn't see him, like, freaking 
It, so there's two things I here. I didn't see him coming back and proposing, but I saw yeah. him never seeing her again. But here's the thing. Yeah. Do you think he did it because he didn't want his reputation tarnished? Or do you think he Was actually... Was he not Irish too, though? Yes, but I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean that all Irish people were completely shit on. I mean, he had a good job. He worked in a textile company. Um, they trusted him enough to work in the office. I mean, I think he, and, and plus he was a man. And he, I, I don't think he was an alcoholic like, you know, her father. So maybe he was thought of a little bit higher. I don't know. Maybe he was able to disguise his accent. But anyway. Yeah. But do you think it was because he wanted his reputation? Okay, she wouldn't be like, oh, he's a piece of shit. But, you know, she's not going to say, oh, hey, I um, let him bend me over in the bathroom. I think he's a little bit of a player. And right. she probably put on too much weight for him. Or that's immediately what I thought. But then I also thought, do you think it was also because he did go talk to Anne and she was like, nah, I'm sorry, but you are not taking her. It could be either way. I'd see that as a less likely option. You don't really? I, and the reason is, is because if if she said that, then why did he even come with the ring? No, but he he was going to go talk to Miss Topin the next After. day. Yes. So it was like, so maybe he saw her and he was like, oh, wow, um, the, that's, that's a big old girl now. And yeah. maybe he was like, all right, which is horrible because what a piece of shit. What a piece of shit. I mean, that's ridiculous, but also I, I, part of me feels like maybe he went to talk to Miss Topin and she was like, mm, I'm sorry, but I can't let her go. And that was the so. end of that. But don't you think he would have let Yeah, that's what I think. I think Jane somehow, know. I think somehow if he took it that far, I'm willing to bet you he saw her and he's like, fuck, I'm here now. I gotta, I gotta ride this train wreck out. Here's the <laughs> ring. I'm going to talk to your people in the morning. And then, like, he held butt. dodged a fucking bullet there, clearly. He, he was like... And then he was gone. <laughs> she might eat me. <laughs> I don't know. She's going to eat all of uh, Bless the Topin's leftovers and his. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, so I just, I think it's really strange and it's really pathetic. It's sad. He's a piece of shit. Tom's a piece of shit. I don't know if I would say that would classify him as a complete piece of shit. I would say he probably is not a... Uh, I don't know what I would say. Ooh. What happened? A little startled. What the freak? <laughs> Dear God. Carrie about fell on the floor. Okay. I, Something um, brushed my, my foot. What was it? Me. I don't know. Because Puff's not there. <laughs> There's probably a giant spider on the floor. That's fair, because I don't kill the spiders in the house. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> okay, so anyway. So let's, you guys, let's... there's not spider webs everywhere. Uh, Are there? No, there's <laughs> not. I'm looking around. No. So some time passes. And Miss Topin kicks the bucket. She falls ill. She is a shitty person. Yeah, she That is a shitty person. No, I, I 100 percent agree with you that Miss Topin sucks. But she falls ill, and Jane essentially has to handle all the things that go along with the mourning process during this time frame. So remember, again, Victorian. So, you know, and I always find the, the culture or the time frame, like, super interesting. So during this time frame, a, you know, a widow was expected to mourn for two years. Two years! Wear all black, 
You know, yeah. I mean, I, for those of you who have not watched Gone with the Wind. I was going to say. Freaking yeah. watch Gone with the Wind. So, yeah, two years. While widowers were only ex- expected to mourn a few months. A few months. So, I well, mean. that was the time. I'm sorry, but that's shitty. Everything's shitty to you, isn't it? I mean, I just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> but anyway. Now, if you were a parent mourning a child or vice versa, you were only expected to mourn about a year. Um, everyone else, it was like, you know, four to six weeks. It's like grandparents, ah, four weeks. You know, second cousin, four weeks. Cousin, uncles, four weeks. I would just be like, Scarlet, oh, fiddle dee dee. I know, give me some freaking gin. <laughs> Anywho, Jane had to handle the, de- the, de- the decor, covering windows, um, stopping the clocks, um, covering the mirrors, yeah. um, taking the postmortem portrait, which, by the way... She was probably giggling the whole time. Can you imagine... I think it's awesome. I saw some pictures. Oh, those are so creepy. It, it is, but it is for us clearly because we don't do that. But that's what they did. And I was, I was scrolling through somewhere yeah. and I was looking and I was like, oh, this is a really cute picture. <laughs> and it was a pictures of women dead. with their dead children. children. I was like, oh shit. Yep. Uh, Isn't that the strangest thing? And they would put them in... And I'll talk about this in a little bit, but well, I can talk about it now because we're we're kind of at that point. But so they were, I I don't know if anybody can hear that. It sounds like there's a cat struggling out there, like somebody is hey, pinning nobody, him down. Nobody put him in a <laughs> pot of boiling water. <laughs> I know, Peta, please don't come get me. But um, anyway, so they're sitting in Peta, this, come get her. <laughs> they're sitting in this big room, and you know you've dressed the body. Mm-hmm. And you, it's laying out and you're viewing it. And the family has to sit there. Now, remind, mind you, this is in the middle of the summer. It's hotter than blazes and it stinks. It stinks. And so Elizabeth is sitting in, in the room, in the viewing room. And she's like, oh my God, Jane, open a window, open a window. Well, you weren't supposed to open the window at that time. It's you let the... Something out the or let something the, in or something, right? Exactly. And, but the smell was so bad. This reminds me to update my will. I know, right? Please open no the window. No viewing. <laughs> no viewing. <laughs> I'm totally taking pictures. <laughs> anyway. Well, Jane was not invited to sit with the family during the reading. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have to laugh. I'm like, I'm looking so, like, what's so funny? So we all have scripts, right? And, and, and you know, we all kind of read from a script because, you know, these are my notes and whatnot. Well, I was at work. I hate, <laughs> I hate I to it say. Now. I was wondering. And it's like, um, uh, you know, she was not invited during the reading. Please meet with Swamp Fox during installing anything on the servers so that we can discuss the impact. That's literally... <laughs> So we were talking last time. I had to stop a couple of times while we were recording because I did talk to tech or talk to whatever the dictation. And I, I didn't go back and proofread it. I was like, what the fuck? Like, do you remember? I was like, I think that's supposed to say now. <laughs> so, yes. So obviously I should have been doing work. Hopefully I thought you no. said you read this several times. You skimmed it. Yeah, I know. Like I caught her in a lie. Damn it all. Yes. We'll talk about the servers later. But anyway, so... Okay. Anyway, let's get back to the story. So, yeah, so it, it, she um, was not left in the will at all. 
She was not left anything. Well, I'm not shocked by that. She was the help. Yep. And Jane, you know, later had resentment for Elizabeth because she felt like Elizabeth had, because she was not, you know, in the room while they were reading the will, she felt like Anne may have left her something. And Elizabeth was like, eh, we're not giving that giving that to Jane. So, and that's and, what Jane felt. And that's Jane's head. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But she did go into the room, just as a side note, she did go into the viewing room afterward and slipped a cocktail ring off of uh, Good for her. Ms. Topin's finger. Yeah. Well, I mean, you leave the dead out for days and days. And I just, it's just disgusting. But anyway. It's after Anne passes that Jane hears through the grapevine that one of the servant's landlady's daughter was engaged to a textile office worker who was, quote, very kind and affectionate to the point of pornography, even if he was Irish, end quote. Very kind and affectionate to the point of pornography. pornography. Oh, yeah, I know who it is already. Let's, yeah. So she... I knew mean, it so once. How long have you guys known each other? It was Tom. Yeah. She was devastated. But rather than get angry or revenge, what do you think homegirl did? She ate the neighbors. <laughs> she did. She Well, she didn't eat the neighbors, but she <laughs> ate. She totally ate. She also threw all of her attention towards Oramel, who was Elizabeth's hun- husband. They frequently flirted, um, which frustrated and irritated Elizabeth. And Jane knew it, but she couldn't help herself. And it was easy because Oramel and Elizabeth were now living in the home of Miss Topin. And um, Jane was caring for Elizabeth and her husband at this point. So they move into the home. Elizabeth is married. And she's not really blaming Jane. She's saying Jane's got like this childhood crush on Oramel. And he's eating it up like a freaking gravy biscuit. Mm-hmm. And so she's more frustrated with Ormel, but, you know, she's she's upset. And she's not blaming Jane. And this kind of tells you Elizabeth's character. She really did love and care for Jane. Yeah. You know, looked at her Seems as a like younger, yeah, like a younger sister. Which, yeah. So six years after Miss Topin died, Jane was accepted to the nursing school at Cambridge Hospital, which is in Massachusetts. But Elizabeth was extremely upset that Jane was leaving with or and excuse me, leaving while Ormel couldn't have been prouder. And he felt like Jane was going to bring a great name to the Topin, you know, surname. And and he was very proud of her. They both told her though that she was welcome back at any time and always had a bed at the house. Which Jane detested. She was like, you know, screw that. Uh, you know, you're telling me that I have a bed in the attic. I don't like even she's have very a- passive aggressive. I I completely just agree say with it. you. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I agree. I with get you. it. Might not always be the right time to say it, but just say it. But you're also in a time where, you know, you don't want to. She probably doesn't want to burn her bridges yet. And you'll you'll see. You'll see. Trust me. You'll see. So Jane was loved at the hospital. The doctors loved her, though the nurses hated her and began questioning her nursing skills. Because people were dying. We aren't there yet. Stop giving away the information before I say no, I'm kidding. As if people didn't know. But she was coined Jolly Jane 
because her patients all thought she was happy and she had a wonderful temperament. So she, there you go. That's your explanation for Jolly. Jolly Jane. And she was was fat. And she was jolly like Santa. (laughs) I was going to say she's definitely a biggin. So. God. (laughs) The nurses spread rumors saying she um, swiped extra wages to buy liquor, which wasn't actually a rumor. She was, she was drinking. And it was also rumored that she was lying on the, you know, lying on patients charts, you know, um, making their temperature higher than it was. Um, saying that, you know, their pain was higher than it was. She was trying to keep them in the hospital. Her plight was that everyone left. And whether it was because they recovered from, you know, their illness or they died, either way, they left. And she was left there without them. And, and nobody was showing their gratitude. It was like, okay, these people, I nursed this chick back to health and she left and didn't even say thank you and that was her argument that was her anger and it it just ate at her well jane rather than fudging patients charts started stealing morphine from the supply closet injecting small doses into her patients she only used a little bit so no one would actually notice that it was you know, gone from the supply closet. And also, it wasn't enough to make the patient feel horrible. H- horrible? Uh, morphine makes you feel great. Well, I've never had it, so Trust I don't me, know. Trust me, makes you feel amazing. So, but, but it's it, kind of quick, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, right. Like, it's, it's quick, but it's like euphoric. Right. Now, I've never had it outside of a situation where I could get up and do anything. Well, I was going to say. but So I don't, I don't know for people. I'm on who, morphine right now. Right? Like, I don't, like, I've only ever had it in the hospital. Right, right. But now, I mean, I completely understand why they put you on yeah. a drip because it's like, it's super quick. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and so she's, she's Great, giving, though. she's giving them morphine and not, she's exper- experimenting with how much, yeah. mind you, because she doesn't know how much is enough and how much is not enough. So, um, it, and it may make them feel a little better, but maybe not a lot. But she felt like, okay, I'm going to give them this, and then they're going to appreciate yeah. me when I nurse them. It's and they're all like, about that, right? I, what do yes, you think about I, me? I, Build me up, lift me up, praise I, me. Exactly. And that, of course, everybody likes to... Feel good. Feel well, good, they feel you like know. they, you know, their efforts are <laughs> appreciated. Appreciated, one hundred percent. So <laughs> sometimes the Sorry. patients would wake up the next morning not remembering much. Other patients would vomit or go into convulsions and or fall into a coma. Yeah. Because hello, I've given I've given you you know eight vials of morphine. My mom <laughs> is one of those who gets sick after morphine. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I can't do any opioids. And I don't know. I guess that's an opioid. I don't, I don't know. Um, I will vomit everywhere. But I think morphine is somewhat of an opioid. And it's it's probably one of the stronger ones, right? I think it's a narcotic. Yeah, but is that not as an opioid, not a narcotic? So it's... it's so, yeah, morphine is a naturally occurring, highly addictive opiate with uh-huh. pain-killing effects... Similar to heroin. Oh, so yeah. I would probably be a, a heroin addict if I ever got a hold yeah, of that shit. That's, like, and that, I mean, it's so very addictive. Ugh. All that shit is. I can see why. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I could see why someone would be addicted to morphine. Yeah. I've never had it when I wasn't in pain. Oh, yeah. But no I, doubt. Could, I could totally see why. Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of like, I can't remember. It's like, not Demerol. Is it Demerol? Or it's it's something I got when I was pregnant. And I was like, ooh, yeah. I could totally get down with that. Because it's... it's you, got, that, you got that when you were pregnant? Yeah, but I can't... Well, it was afterward, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. But anyway. So, she's she's giving people this morphine. They're vomiting. They could go into a coma. There were times when the patient died because they were overly sensitive to morphine, obviously. I mean, some people, like you just said, can't take that and would puke everywhere. That would be me. Um, And she got her kicks, though, by nursing those patients back to health when they were on the verge of, you know, you know, this intentional overdose. Right. It was during her heroic experiences, though, that she decided to further her nursing skills by going to Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, and it's, it was considered the Nightingale School, so it was very prestigious. So while the head nurse at this you know, prestigious hospital did not like her and at first refused her application, she was very well liked by the doctors. Again, the doctors seemed to love her because she is very skilled. Unfortunately, though, for Jane's patients... She started, you know, fudging charts and poisoning them shortly after arriving at the hospital. She began by injecting her patients with the largest non-lethal dose of morphine as possible. And then she'd sit and watch their pupils dilate and their breathing just grow really shallow. She'd then inject them with more morphine to see how far she could push them to the edge of death and still save them. Which... She's like, it's, she's reading for a crazy, push him to the edge of death. <laughs> well, it is. I can't, I'm just, it boggles my mind that somebody would sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Oh shit, I lost this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. I just, yeah, I, I, anyway. But before they'd slip into unconsciousness, she'd inject them with a second drug. So she's, she's now experimenting. And so this atropine. drug was atropine. Exactly. And so those two drugs counteracted. So you got one that's like, uh, makes you, you know, like go to sleep, whatever. And then you got the other one that's making you physically unable to flip and move. So using both morphine that's and like, atropine. That's like drinking a Red Bull and a copious amounts of alcohol. Yep. And, you know. Yep. Together increases the risk and severity of some side effects, such as dizziness, drowsiness, confusion, difficulty concentrating, difficulty urinating, dry mouth, abdominal cramping, and constipation. And the concoction would sometimes just, you know, kill our our parents, patients. But a lot of time the patients that entered the hospital died, so it was immediately called out that her patients were dying off without much of an explanation. So it was kind of becoming like... So the like, nurses had that sixth sense, right? Absolutely. Like, we don't like her. Something's not right. 100%. So many of the patients actually feared Jane because they had heard her say that the elderly shouldn't be kept alive. Ooh. Now, a lot of the nurses hated the elderly just because they were pains in the asses, I guess. And at that time, there wasn't a lot that you could do to help Right. You know, the elder and, and a lot of them had dementia. Yeah. And so the the doctors 
you know, chalked up the patient complaints about, you know, especially Jane, to them having dementia and would instruct Jane to inject those patients that couldn't sleep with just a small amount of morphine. Because like you said, it, it, it hits you, impact, you pass out, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll help them sleep. Well, this is what happened to Jane's only surviving victim. And her name was Amelia Finney. Although Amelia was not elderly, she was really, I think, like 36. Um, and the likelihood of her actually having dementia was pretty slim. So she was just kind of on the out the the outer edges, though. I right. mean, she was she was in there for having some kind of ulcer, and um, they had operated on her, which left her in pain, and she was just unable to sleep. So with the other nurses having already dosed her with morphine to help her sleep, Jane entered Amelia's room with the intent of adding atropine tablets, you know, to that concoction of of morphine. So Amelia assumed that the tablets that Jane was giving her was medicine for her pain. So she had taken this glass of, of water, taken these two atropine tablets and dropped them in, in the glass. And told her to drink. As she slowly began to drift off, she felt a chill because Jane pulls up her nightgown and then jumps on top of her. So she feels like the mattress sinking. She's like, turn. what the hell? I know you didn't see that coming, did you? No, I did not see that okay, coming Okay, thank all. you. Well, Jane then began kissing her neck and her face as Amelia's breath just became slow and super labored. Yep. And as she was about to force more of the atropine water down her throat, she heard footsteps of another nurse or somebody coming down the hallway. So she dismounts from the bed, you know, like a gymnast (laughs) and her big old (laughs) jealous self. But the nurse didn't suspect a thing, even though she did not like Jane, but she thought it was weird the next morning because she couldn't wake Amelia. She just, she couldn't wake her. She was, you know, kind of walking around the room. She didn't leave the woman's side all night. And she dropped a broomstick. She was kind of uh, moving around, opening, shutting cabinets. And she, at some point, like kind of tried to rustle her awake. You know, right, like, right. come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. <clears throat> she finally pinched the woman and was like, yeah, hard, hard pinched her. She finally. They'll do this like, well, they'll do it now. They'll rub your chest. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. Yep. Well, she finally pinches the woman. She wakes up and Amelia's feeling completely nauseated and groggy. She's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. What happened? Well, she stays silent because she's embarrassed. Because she's like, what the hell am I going to say? One of the nurses got on top of me with my, you know, dressing clothes, like my nightgown down my body and, or up, you know, she had pulled it up, kissing me. What the, I probably would have been like, okay, maybe it was the drugs. Maybe I drunk this. Yeah. Maybe I drunk this. And so she doesn't say jack shit. It was only during Jane's trial that she revealed what really happened. And she was probably forced at that point because she was subpoenaed. But Jane remained unpopular with the other nurses at the hospital, and rumors continued to swirl around her. She was to have said to steal supplies, steal from patients, and the hospital cash box. And, and I think that was for liquor. 
because she she was a heavy drinker right. at this point. Yeah. All of the things um, were explained away and overlooked because the doctors really appreciated Jane's expertise and temperament. But Jane fucked up. She left the hospital during her shift and didn't tell anywhere where she was going or why, for that matter. She just left. She felt like she was being unappreciated, even, well, I mean, because, you know, people are dying because she's killing them. Right. And <laughs> she's unable to save them. And when she did, people were like, yeah, peace out. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. And so she left. She was like, I got to I gotta take a break. So she leaves. Well, unfortunately for Jane, that incident couldn't be overlooked. Um, the nurse, the head nurse was pissed off and um, while she had completed all her coursework, passed her test, and the diploma, diploma had actually been signed, she was expelled from the program without receiving her nursing license. The doctors did help her out, though, um, and they wrote letters of recommendation, and she got along for the next year working as a private nurse for some of her former patients that, you know, I, maybe that she had tried to kill. <laughs> I'm not right. really sure. It's kind of unclear. But she did work as a private nurse for a little bit. Well, in the fall of 1890, Jane was back at the Cambridge Hospital. So she had left there, gone to General Mass, and then now she's back at the Cambridge Hospital. As in the last jobs, the doctors loved her, and she was, again, hated by the other nurses. It was after she began that she was introduced to Maddie Davis, who was a 19-year-old beautiful nurse trainee and at the top of her class. And Jane did not like her. Huh. Yeah. Shocker. Well, sadly, when Maddie fell ill, Jane was ordered to attend to her. And she, uh, Maddie was thought to be like a prodigy. The doctors loved her. Right. Absolutely loved her. By this, Jane, by this time, Jane had actually murdered 20-plus people. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, she, By doing the morphine and the atropine? Yep. Uh, absolutely. Yep. So rather than injecting Maddie with morphine, she just cut to the chase. She produced a piece of chocolate, only it wasn't chocolate. It was a strychnine tablet strychnine. covered. Strychnine. Strychnine. What I say? Strychnine? Strychnine. Thank you, corrector. I'm only here to help you. Thank you. I'm like that person that you're like, um, uh, excuse, excuse me, sir, you forgot to put your colon here <laughs> on the paper. And Thank you. Missed, you. You missed the dot. You missed, you missed the, the period. period. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I know. You're welcome. My bad. <laughs> anyway, strychnine. Then it was covered in chocolate. <sighs> Oof. Yeah. Now, I had to look up the effects the effects of uh, strychnine because I, I didn't know what it did. I had heard about it, but I, I didn't know. So according to Dr. Google, if strychnine is inhaled, swallowed, or absorbed through the eyes or mouth, it causes poisoning, which results in muscular convulsions and eventually death through yeah, asphyxia. It's not good. Given that we know what strychnine does to someone if swallowed, we can deduce what happened to poor Maddie. <laughs> She had gone into convulsions immediately when she bit into it. And, like, her body was, her muscular, you know, like, yeah. just stiff as a board. Um, of course, who could blame someone like Jane, you know, and who, you know, looked and acted like her? No one. No one actually blamed her. In fact... Um, she wasn't blamed at all for intentionally poisoning Maddie and she, but 
you know, she was dismissed from Cambridge um, the same way she was from General Mass without her nursing license. So at this point in time, poor Jane. Yeah. Maddie's dead. She's <laughs> killed 21 She's, people yeah, now, 21 right? Or 20 at least, X amount of 21 people. 21 at least. And, and Jane has no nursing license. But it's about to get even more interesting. But this is where I'm going to stop. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about Jane again next, next week. week. Well, I'm excited. So what do you think? I want to I want to hear about all the death and gore. I, I know. What she's, happens and, this, and I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to Google it. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to, but I totally am. It's, it's, it, it is a very crazy story. It's, a, it's similar to, I mean, I've heard... Not the same, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, newer similar yeah. cases where nurses would mm-hmm. would cause near death experiences or flat just you know, to flatline them. a patient yep. just to just to revive them, and mm-hmm. very similarly too, where nobody there's no punishment or accountability, so it yep. just carries on to the next. Yep. The, you know, well, it's not slip, my problem. Yeah. Pass, pass it on. They slip through the cracks. And what ends up happening is you've got these hospitals that don't want to deal with a situation where they're being sued. And so it's, um, we're just going to let you go. We can't prove it. We can't disprove it. So, yeah. Toodaloo. And they go on to the next hospital. So, but it's it's about to get really kind of messed up. There's There's some more... A lot of it. Some more stuff that clearly we're not going to talk about today, you guys. Yeah, no, so. it's crazy. But anyway, so, and don't Google it. So, chill out. Um, all right, I have nothing else. I am actually, I want to tell everybody we're not recording until Monday, oh, yeah. the following week. I you have to go out of town. So, um, but we will be posting next Monday. Okay. That sounds fabulous. So, everybody hold on to Part their butts two. till then. Part two. And everybody behave. Stay cool in the air conditioning. And that's all I got. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.